Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Really gets herself a little bit of Dixville Notch. My God, the way you say that, Tony. This is the first uh, town, city, place. It's six people who vote in the first primary and in the first town in the first primary. They do it at midnight. And it's, oh, it's kitschy and it's fun and it leads to a little bit of talking point. And Nikki Haley got six votes. No, oh, just me. <laughs> I'm doing it for effect. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, kitten? 833 got Tony. 833 468 got Tony. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything at all in any way whatsoever. Dixville Notch doesn't matter. What matters is, of course, the numbers. This is New Hampshire. The very last polling that's out there. Uh, has her, uh, Trump ahead 19 points. It would indicate that in the last three polls, Trump has gone up in popularity. The last three polls happening without Ron DeSantis being a part of the equation. The last one, Boston Globe Suffolk poll. Trump 60, Haley 38, which gives an overall, in the Real Clear Politics average, a 19-point spread. I still think we're in the 17-18s. That's the way I was calling it based on, on, on how I saw Iowa. Nikki Haley, is, is, is this it? Does Nikki Haley make it out of New Hampshire alive? Uh, th- there was this, I think, this startling uh, photo, video. It's Tim Scott and Doug Burgum and Vivek Ramaswamy, all of whom ran for president, with Donald Trump, and you're like, oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a lot of unity. That is a tremendous amount of unity, just a massive amount of unity. Or is, is, that, the, uh, is, is that the establishment? And you're like, which, which one? Which way do you want to take it? Because I think the Nikki Haley people are desperate to try and make it out to be that that. Haley uh, somehow is is the one who is, um, you know, anti-establishment. Haley is the one who uh, is, is the one who's really with the people. I, I'm not making this up, by the way, that she believes it. Uh, she said it. Even also, Trump, you say you're showing a message of unity. How do you? They haven't uh, even voted here yet. They haven't even voted here. No, but here. I think I think it's not the party <laughs> uniting around President Trump. It's the political elite that are uniting around it's President true. Trump. And the political elite have never been with me my entire career because I've always fought the political elite. It's why I want them to have term limits. It's why I want them to have mental competency tests. It's why I think that they're. I call them out on wasteful spending, whether they're a Republican or Democrat. It's why I've said if you can't give Americans a budget on time, you shouldn't get paid. I fight the political class. Donald Trump has the political class surrounding him. That's not what Americans want. The political class has gotten us into this mess. We need a normal, real person to get us out of this mess. I don't think you can sell that to anyone. I actually don't think it's a bad talking point, considering all the people who have endorsed him. But you can't sell it. 
You can't sell it because the argument is the establishment class is the one trying to keep Trump out of the race, thus all of the indictments. That's the argument, and that's a hard one to, to, to punch back against. It seems that Nikki Haley's moves and maneuvers uh, fall to a, a, a large extent on deaf ears, uh, especially when she she wants to uh, you know question, for example, Trump's cognitive ability, and oh, we're gonna get into this one too on the cognitive abilities. Well, once you have the Biden administration also doing the same thing, it kind of goes away. Your, your 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 punch of hey, I'm more apt, capable, able, and Trump's an old man. Like Biden's an old man, it kind of disappears. The Biden administration's gonna mock Trump when it's Joe Biden, a guy who can't get off a stage. Come now, and then there's been the real conversations about things that Biden, uh, Trump has been saying, and 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 some levels of confusion. You're calling uh, Nikki Haley Nancy Pelosi, or Nancy Pelosi Nikki Haley, and it's it, it, it you can't deny the thing. But if Nikki Haley's now going to make this claim, it gets uh, blunted and stunted by the Biden people, and then. There was this. It, it's not even what I believe. It's what Americans believe. Well, what do you believe? Because you're the one who's saying that. I worry about the fact that they are so focused on investigations and things that they don't like and focused on the past. When do you ever hear either one of them talk about the solutions of the future? I'm doing this because I don't want my kids to live like this. We have got to start looking forward. You've got a country in disarray. You've got a world on fire. And you're going to focus on people who hurt your feelings. You're going to focus on investigations that are involved with your families. You're going to focus on vengeance. With me, it's no drama. It's no vendettas. It's just hard work. And it's making sure we're not thinking four and eight years. We're thinking 20 and 30 years out. You don't want to go there on whether or not they're equally bad? I mean, if they were, if either one of them was good, I wouldn't be running. Yes, they are equally bad. That's why I'm running. Nikki Haley can't get out alive because Nikki Haley can't resist that trap. From a reporter. If the reporter's asking the question, clearly the question's a bad one. Have you never heard of rejecting the premise? Rejecting the premise at that moment is, my gosh, this is a ridiculous question. How foolhardy. It's clear that when it comes to policy, Donald Trump would be far better uh, than Joe Biden. But none of that matters. I'm better than uh, Trump on policy, and I'm better than Biden on cognitive ability. So you may want to hate all you want. The American people don't want hate. Now, that's how you could have answered the question, Nikki Haley, but you didn't. You bought into what it is the reporter said. And that dog won't hunt. This is exactly Nikki Haley's issue. We've been discussing this for a while now. Nikki Haley gets herself caught. Nikki Haley gets lost because Nikki Haley is trying to compute what is the answer people want to hear as opposed to giving an answer to stop the madness. The reporter is not on your side. I have taught myself uh, from, from, from early on even when I was doing stuff with, with Fox or, 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 or someone friendly, the question being asked, first, may not be rational. And secondly, the person asking the question will get much more if I screw up than if I am clear and certainly if, if, I, if I'm direct. Clear and direct is what the audience wants. Screw up is what uh, the reporter and your enemy wants. 
So when you are, 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 are listening to a question, the first thing that you do in, in the response mechanisms is, wait, is this a legitimate question? Is, does the premise of this question make sense? Are they both equally bad? In no way, shape, or form, no matter what you think about Donald Trump, if, if you're somebody on the political right, are they both equally bad? And I would tell any never-Trumper who believes that, that they're out of their holy damn mind. Remember, nothing is more radical, more inept, more absolutely worthless than the concept of never-Trump. And the people who went Never Trump from the very beginning are people I'm more than happy to not deal with and not associate with. Never communist, that's a conservative principle. Never Trump doesn't exist as a concept or a principle. My choice in 2016 was Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. You tell me how Never Trump is better. Never Trump means Hillary. Explain to me how that's better. I had written back at, 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 at that time an open letter to my kids. It was the first time ever acknowledging that I had children in, in print. I acknowledge my children. I'm not Hunter. I'm saying that I don't usually talk about these things out loud. I have got very, for a guy who does radio, I've got some super weird privacy issues. I, I, I do. And, and so I, I, it was the first time I'd ever done such a thing, acknowledged them. And I said to them, because I knew uh, in, in 2016, I only knew, I knew Trump from being an East Coast guy, being a Jersey, New York guy. I mean, my grandmother lived in Trump Village that was built by his father there uh, in, in, in Brighton, right? I, I knew these people. I knew the stories. I knew, I knew everything. And, I, and I, what I had written to my kids was that I have to go with the odds because I knew that Trump was not a conservative. And let's all be clear. When he ran in 2016, he wasn't. What he governed as? Absolutely true. 1,000%. So shocking and stunning in the vast majority of things, one could lose their mind, especially those first three years. And I said, with, with Hillary Clinton, I get zero of what I want. I am guaranteed to lose 100% of the time. With Donald Trump, I have a jump ball. I have a 50-50 shot of getting what I want, knowing, certainly when we were electing him in 2016, that he wasn't a conservative. And for the people who said, oh, yes, he was, no, he wasn't. I'm not going to sit here and allow anybody to engage in a revision of history. I would rather fight. He wasn't. He had no bearing uh, towards that direction whatsoever. What did we get? (laughs) Damn good. Not perfect. I got things. I'm not a tariffs guy. Right, tariffs are something that utilizes a tool to then get the trade deal uh, to leave them on there. That's a tax, and that's that, that that's not my thing. But as an idea of saying you got to get China to come to the table, and you got to get this one to come to the table, and you got to you got to do something. You can't just keep doing what you were doing. That was worthwhile for sure. If you tell me that you look at Trump and you look at Biden in twenty twenty four, can you imagine it's Biden and you look at them and you're like, yeah equally bad that's an irrational thought process from an irrational person the question was irrational and nikki haley still answered it why the question was meant to be a soundbite utilized by guys like me to say look at what you're doing and then to be utilized by the press when when Trump who is clearly on his way I mean anything could happen right you got to put that that caveat in there on his way 
to being the nominee if he should stumble. Well, look at what the Republicans said about him. Look at what Nikki Haley said about him. Why are you giving whoever the reporter is the soundbite? Why are you buying into the concept? And the answer is, I don't know if she even recognizes when it's happening. I she She's so trying to figure out what's the right answer for the right people for this, that, as opposed to questioning whether or not the question is validity to begin with. And that's uh, un- undoubtedly her biggest issue. Undoubtedly her biggest problem. And I think that that uh, has, is, is, is showing. Now I'll give you something I don't think is, is to this case. Something that uh, is not something that Nikki Haley has to do. And this comes from Carrie Lake. What do you think is going to happen now come South Carolina and uh, going to Nikki Haley's home state? I hope Nikki Haley um, looks in the mirror and, and says, does she want to be the person who tries to stop a movement of taking back our country? Her numbers are not good here. Her numbers are terrible in her home state of South Carolina. And I hope that she does some soul searching and realizes that the globalists and the donors who are trying to control her, that she doesn't want to be their puppet anymore. She wants to get behind a movement of the great, incredible people like you see down here in this amazing country. And she wants to get behind us and with us and join behind making President Trump the 47th president of the United States and saving this. Now, I think Nikki Haley's entitled to run for president because she doesn't agree with... uh, with uh, those people, she sees a different way and she wants to sell it as a better way. Any candidate can do that. Uh, you know, I, I think that the whole get behind the movement thing uh, actually does a lot of turning off. May, for, for the ardent Trump supporter, they're already there. I think for everybody else, uh, the movement is, is, is not so much the thing as the country. The country. I think that some people naturally hear movements and they're like, hmm. Look, I was a Tea Party guy. I know how people, they give the arm's length. And certainly Carrie Lake, I don't think, uh, carries uh, gravitas outside of um, the the Trump supporter. I, I really don't think so. But you can run for president if you choose. But when you run, shouldn't you run in a way that gives you the possibility of of success? I think Nikki Haley... Uh, it, it, the question is, she going to get out alive? Uh, you know, that's for the people to decide. But based on how the polling has not gone in her favor over the past couple, to the extent we want to believe in polling, and the way she answers these questions, which does not uh, signal that she's really looking to connect, is that it, it signals that she's desperate to find an answer to get out of being asked the question. I don't see it. Because those answers are bad answers. But does the conversation about Trump's mental fitness actually connect? Oh, we're going to talk about that. You got to stick around. Do not miss it. This is Tony Katz today. So the Israelis make an offer. A two-month ceasefire. 
An offer to Hamas that comes from the Qataris and the Egyptians. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything going on at TonyKatz.com. Uh, Get the podcast over there. Be a supporter. Would love, appreciate uh, the, the support. The desire is, of course, to get back the hostages. This is what they're trying to do. And to get back the hostages, they're willing to do near anything. So first you'd get back the women and children, then you'd get back people over the age uh, of 60, and then you would get back uh, members of the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. Now, I have seen reports that Hamas has rejected this deal. Um, I, I will tell you that I think Israel's push on this after, of course, uh, being hit uh, by the Hamas terrorists who are supported by the Iranian terrorists, uh, murdering 1,200 people, raping women, setting people on fire, uh, kidnapping women, children, the elderly, keeping them in cages, which last I heard, cages were bad, but I guess that's only at the southern border, and if Trump is president, um, the, the, there's, a, of course, the real desire to get these people back and get them get them home and my thought when i first heard this is i think this is uh israel saying okay we'll put this out there if we can get the people we win if we can't get the people which we are pretty sure is going to be the case then what we're going to do is we're going to say well world we tried and then it is straight on till morning till hamas is completely destroyed and whatever happens happens I believe that's the way they see it. Then you check in with guys like Chenk, uh, who uh, on, uh, we believe it's Uger. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, it's it's Uger. The Israelis are the terrorists. Plenty in a separate uh, issue. They saw that he had a giant picture of an Israeli settler terrorist who killed 29 innocent Palestinians in his living room. He celebrates terrorists, and he's the national security minister of Israel. Netanyahu has now murdered 20 times the number of civilians Hamas has. 20 times Hamas. Israel is led by a bunch of terrorists. If terrorism means killing civilians on purpose, if you think Israel isn't killing people on purpose, that golly gee, they just have the world's worst military. I mean, they meant to get the terrorists, but golly gee, they accidentally killed nonstop civilians, over 20,000 civilians. They just can't seem to shoot straight. Well, come on, come on. You're so deep in your bias, you can't see straight. Obviously, they're killing them on purpose. That's the most obvious thing in the world. The whole world sees it. The whole world hates Israel from the start. What are we, what are we discussing here? But if this is the way you want to see the world uh, as twisted and as sick as that is, Cenk, that Israel is the terrorists, Israel is doing, we're, we're going to trust uh, the numbers from uh, the Gaza Health Ministry, which is Hamas. That is not to say that innocent people aren't dead. Of course, that is the case, and it's awful, and it's Hamas's fault. But if we're going to sit here and claim that, that uh, I'm going to say that Hamas is a terrorist organization, you're going to say Israel is a terrorist organization, okay. All right, let them fight it out. Let's see who wins. Let's see who's stronger. Let's see who's tougher. Let's see. Is there an issue? No, all you do is want Israel to suffer and Israel to be destroyed. 
I want terrorists to be destroyed, but I don't want anybody to suffer. This is the kind of thing that people are surprised that that kind of bigotry exists. I find it surprising that people are surprised. This is Tony Katz today. You have yet another hit against the Houthi rebels from the U.S. military. This being the United States and the U.K. I keep making the argument that it seems to me that our problem is in the United States, when it comes to elected officials, there is no understanding that we are indeed at war with Iran because Iran is at war with us. This strike, the U.S. and the U.K. launching this strike on the Houthi rebels in Yemen, the second assault of these from these countries. This is the eighth time that the group has been targeted. Major Mike Lyons joins us right now, a retired United States Army West Point guy. He is our military analyst, as you see him all over your radio and TV dials, but this is the only radio dial and video dial that that matters. Sir, let's get into uh, my basic premise here, um, which is these strikes on Houthi rebels only continue to prove that we're at war with Iran because Iran is at war with us. I want to get to that, but let's start with what it is these strikes have engaged. How did the first strikes or the first seven strikes fail, and what's the purpose here? Well, Tony, first, they haven't failed. They just started this process of trying to restore some kind of deterrence. Um, We don't have any – the Houthis – we're on two different wavelengths. The Houthis want war with the United States. They think of this as a way of punching up. They think this is a way of – of uh, mobilizing their people. Uh, they have thousands of rockets and missiles and all, all equipped by Iran. Uh, we now are telling the Houthis all we're trying to do is restore maritime shipping lanes in the Red Sea. We're, we don't really seem to want any kind of combat with them. But then now in the past 48 hours, we've increased the number of attacks that we've made on their, uh, their facilities. Now, in order for this behavior to change here, we've got to go to a full air campaign. We have to literally go 24 7, 2,000 sorties, something where we, if we really want to restore the Houthis and restore the deterrence that exists there, um, we've got to absolutely, you know, step up the amount of attacks that we're going to make here. But for whatever reason, because of the Iranian influence, every time we fire a rocket into Yemen, into a Houthi uh, stronghold, there's likely Iranian soldiers getting killed. And for whatever reason, this administration wants nothing to do with escalating anything with Iran. That that is uh certainly been the story and this goes back to the Iranian nuclear deal, the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action under the Obama administration, the uh Biden administration insistence of returning uh to uh that that mission, that that theory that somehow Iran can be stopped from getting uh, a, a nuclear weapon which I I think we could clearly argue no they can't. What is the rationale here? for the the deference when it comes to Iran, do you see a strategic possibility from it? No, and and I do think that Iran is behind every single one of these attacks. The bottom line is, 
each of us have got uh, our allies have existential threat, right? If Israel, Israel is our ally here. There's an existential threat between Hamas, Hezbollah, and really Iran as the proxies that they support are all against Israel. But then on the flip side here, um, from Iran's perspective, the Houthis, Hezbollah, Hamas, that's their allies, and they're, they're having an existential threat. So I think that's where this proxy war is really taking place. Now, I, I agree with you also that the, 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 the thinking is that, oh, no, the, the Iranians don't want this to be es- you know, escalated. I just don't think that's the case. You had uh, the naval commander uh, down in, in CENTCOM, I think, come out just today and say that the Iranians' fingerprints are all over what's going on in Houthi, directing those attacks. They have to be. They have to be getting the information from someplace. So as we do an, either an air campaign to go after that material, take away their capability to wage war, and then also some kind of interdiction on supplies coming in from the Persian Gulf. You saw we lost two, sadly, we lost two SEALs in that mission. Um, it's a hard, but it's, it's going to be worth the while if we can get the Houthis to stop firing. That mission, talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, that mission was stopping ships uh, that are taking arms from Iran and sending them to the Houthi rebels and other places. And that story of two Navy SEALs who, after a 10-day search mission, rescue mission, has turned into a recovery mission, got no real press coverage whatsoever, as if there is a desire to keep this story very, very quiet. But it brings us to this this hard uh, question. Is the United States at war with Iran when we're dealing with the Houthi rebels, when we're dealing with Hamas, which is funded uh, by Iran, and there are American hostages being held by Hamas? Or maybe said differently, is Iran at war with the United States? You know, I, there's so many conflicts taking place right now in the Middle East. Uh, who's shooting at whom? It, it's a list. I've got at least 10 conflicts that uh, are out there. If you check on, on my ex Twitter feed, you'll see that there as I've listed them. Um, I, I think that the Iranians are continuing to try to prod and to try to, uh, you know, whether they're at war with the U.S., I'm not sure that's the case. The Iranian, So the Iranian authoritative regime is trying to survive itself. I, you know, terrorism has now come home to roost there. You saw attacks in Kerman from ISIS-K. Uh, the attacks that uh, the, the Iranians are making now into Pakistan, into the Balachi, into Balochistan. And this is these separatist movements that are looking to overthrow the Iranian government. The Iranians argue that when they when they lob missiles into Erbil, they're attacking the Kurds there, ISIS inside of Syria. So the Iranians themselves now are attacking outside in order to try to preserve what security they have in there. Um, I guess from a perspective, they, they don't think that the United States will do uh, what it does, and that is, you know, kind of crank up the war machine and decide to go to a formal war with Iran um, for whatever reason. At least this administration won't. That would lead to a tremendously oversized regional conflict in the area where where who knows what would happen then. So let me um, continue on this on this conversation about are we at war with Iran or is Iran w- at war with us? John Kirby, who uh, does uh, the work there. Um, which with uh, um, national security uh, was responding to a, a question that was asked of him on Good Morning America. And in this, this conversation on Good Morning America, he was asked about some recent attacks on uh, U.S. troops. I am going to do what I can. I was going to try and figure out how to how to play this. I'm not always a, a pro at the at these things just yet. But he was asked about uh, about this, and his his response was, 
was that look only a very small number of troops have been have been damaged here uh and and you know it was just some traumatic brain injuries nothing serious he played it off like it was no big deal u.s troops getting injured Never mind being attacked, but being injured to any extent. And here's John Kirby uh, from the National Security Council, the guy who has been brought in by the administration uh, really to play some kind of uh, um, role model to Corinne Jean-Pierre as White House press secretary. And he's saying it's no big deal. You're a military guy. Is it a big deal? No, it sure is. Um, Americans, uh, you know, fathers and mothers don't send their sons and daughters to go and, and gain these, have these kind of injuries there if they can be prevented. A little bit concerned about that. I think uh, he might want to take that, that back. But it's just all about this administration not wanting to really draw a red line, knowing full well that the Iranians will cross it and then ex- with an expectation of, of us doing something to them. Uh, it, it is not going to change. I don't think that uh, for as long as the Biden administration is in, is in power, uh, they're going to do whatever they can to appease uh, this situation, which is also trying to get Israel to stop what they're doing. They, they still believe in the two-state solution. All of these things that um, are just not real when it comes to the actual situation on the ground. They live in this world of, of how they want the world to be. They want it to be more globalist. They want to have uh, more uh, involvement with these other nations. But at the end of the day, that's not the world that exists right now in the Middle East. It's one of uh, one of power and it's one of uh, who, who's got the more might. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army West Point guy uh, on the X at MAJ for Major Mike Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S, M-A-J Mike Lyons on on Twitter. Um, you know, sometimes I, I ask the question, how does this end? You know, we've discussed this regarding Ukraine and, and one of the uh, great uh, answers uh, we go back to John Kirby. Uh, he's asked the, the, the question about an endgame in Ukraine. He's like, oh, well, it's what we always expected. Here, listen. After last week's meeting on Ukraine here at the White House, uh, the Speaker of the House implied that President Biden uh, did not articulate, uh, articulate a clear strategy for Ukraine. So does the White House have one and what quoting speaker johnson is the end game for ukraine uh okay i i can't uh i can't speak uh to what the the speaker has heard or read or or understood from the countless discussions that we've had with members of congress about ukraine and what we're trying to do here um it's it's been pretty transparent pretty clear we want ukraine to win this war, as the president has said. We want a whole, prosperous, sovereign Ukraine. We want Ukraine's <clears throat> borders, internationally established borders, to be fully recognized by everybody, and that includes Mr. Putin. Uh, Yet, while they're saying this, we also know a major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, that there have been conversations not so clandestine about the fact that you may have to give up something because this is uh, World War One trench warfare. Nobody's giving an inch. Everybody's stuck in the mud. And it could be this way with you losing more and more people for the next 20 years. And simply Russia can afford to lose the people and, and, and you can't. So you, it leads us to what is really the end game, the desire here regarding the United States? What, what is it that, you know, how this turns out, how does this end up? 
Well, now the same question can be asked regarding the Houthis who are thinking that they're in control of the navigable seas and really Iran. How does this end up, or at least what is the conventional wisdom amongst your set regarding how the Biden administration will get either one of these things to end? So the Pentagon thinks that an air campaign in Yemen would do, do go a very long way to at least restoring those maritime passageways and stop the Houthis from firing there. And, and the Houthis then would risk losing the control they have of Yemen, right? Yemen is divided in the east and the west, the Sana government, the uh, the, they're out of power now as as the you know, classic failed third world country where a non-state actor has taken control of the country. You know, Yemen is one of the poorest countries in the Middle East as well. There's famine. Uh, they've been killing each other there in a civil war since 2014. The Saudis tried to intervene and that didn't work out because Yemen is on their border. Uh, but I do think that the, the Pentagon believes that an air campaign would destroy all their military capability as well as then put the Houthis in risk of even controlling Yemen as it sees. But then the country still just continues to spiral deeper, deeper into depression. So that, that kind of fixes one problem, though. But it doesn't fix the Iranian problem, though, because the Israelis are still going to attack um, Iranian targets inside of Syria. We see them taking out leadership there. We see them taking out leadership inside of Lebanon. So so eventually this does potentially lead to uh, the big problem that is an, an all out Iran-Israel conflict. Uh, where then it becomes from the air, from the sea, the militias, all kinds of things. That that becomes a, a very much expanded regional conflict. Uh, to, the, to that end, uh, of course, you have Iran funding Hamas. You certainly have Iran funding uh, Hezbollah uh, to the north, where they engaged a series of rocket attacks and then backed off because uh, 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 Israel was very, very solid in, in levels of, of response. How many fronts can Israel actually fight at one time before the United States says we're involved or... Well, this is your problem. Yeah, that's a great question. I think what they'll do is watch to see how Israel is doing across those fronts. And the United States will act as a tripwire at some point if they think, um, you know, it's kind of like a broken arrow scenario where if they're beginning to be overrun, the capital or so, the United States then gets involved indirectly there. No troops or anything like that on the ground, uh, but this was that kind of fallacy of air power will solve that problem. You know, the Iranians won't fight Israel through their Republican Guard units. They'll use the, you know, anywhere from 125,000, 150,000 Shia militia groups that exist in Syria, inside of Iraq, uh, Hezbollah, Hamas, and they'll try to mobilize them from there. And they and they are. They have been surrounded by their enemies since their inception in 1948 but uh, i think that's the, that's where the united states gets involved in a broken arrow situation where israel is about to be overrun could you quickly uh, define broken arrow well that's a situation where u.s forces it's a you know kind of an old school method where if you if you give that command over the radio it means every single air asset every single asset available must respond to u.s forces about to be overrun you saw it took place you know back uh, in vietnam era and the like uh, with with regard to um, units uh, that were about to be overrun, everybody basically stops what they're doing, clears their desks, and gets what they can, gets any indirect fire to help there. So I think I think that that's really what they're on standby for. You have a carrier group that's there, the destroyers, as well as the aircraft, ready to go should that be the case. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, M A J Mike Lyons, L Y O N S. Major Mike Lyons on the Twitter box. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us, be a part of what we're doing. Much more to get to. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today.
So the Supreme Court rules with President Biden. I'm not actually surprised by this. It was a 5-4 decision. Uh, You had uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, no surprise. Amy Coney Barrett, maybe a surprise, going with the leftist judges, the justices, saying that President Biden can tell Texas to get rid of the razor wire uh, that they placed on the border. Governor Greg Abbott has said, uh, we're going to keep fighting for Texas and we're willing to have this fight and that's all there is to it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Uh, I've said it once and I'm going to get more into it uh, in a little bit. The president decides immigration policy. They told Trump he couldn't do this, couldn't do that, couldn't do the other. He's the president. Of course he could do these things. Of course he can. He sets immigration policy. That's the purview of the president. So I can't now say under Biden, he's not doing, he, he, he's not allowed to. The problem is he's not doing his job. The problem is they do have an open porous border. The problem is they won't admit to it. Although Biden did just say the other day that the border is not secure. Where has the Republican Party been? It should have been an immediate series of press conferences dominating cable news. They should have forced their way on and said, here is the package that we're sending. Chuck Schumer has to pass this. And when Chuck Schumer balks on it, why aren't you with the leader of your party who says the border is not secure? This should have been constant. I mean, it's not too late. Constant. Non-stop. The border is not secure. And Governor Greg Abbott of Texas damn well knows it. He knows it. And that's why he's engaging. And that's why he put up the razor wire. The Supreme Court says, hey, you don't get to decide that. The president does. And if the president wants to take it down, he can. I kind of expected that response and that answer. And then I expect Governor Abbott to say, okay, we're going to do something else. And never stop. And never, ever stop fighting until we get ourselves a secure border. This is Tony Katz today.